Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Adrian Gershom, VP of Marketing and Digital Strategy at SeaChange, a B2B marketing agency based in Chicago. And Adrian is also chair of Be Local Illinois. That's a nonprofit that represents B corporations in Illinois. Adrian, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Jeremy. It's really great to be here. So tell us a little bit about Sea Change and also about Be Local. Sure, happy to do so. So Sea Change is a B2B focused marketing agency here in Chicago, Illinois. We have a mission to use our collective creativity to elevate our clients' businesses. And we use an approach called world building, which comes from our founder's background in filmmaking. And really the idea there is that we're using techniques from filmmaking to breathe life into our clients' brands. And then I think lastly, one of the things I wanted to mention about Sea Change that directly relates to Be Local Illinois is that Sea Change is also a certified B Corporation, which means that we meet rigorous third-party standards for social and environmental performance. Okay, very interesting. We'll hear a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later in the interview. So... So let's focus on your audience, who you're trying to engage. Who specifically are the decision makers that you need to connect with? I think the the audience that I like to think about relative to both roles, working with Sea Change and Be Local Illinois, I was thinking of a way to actually categorize this. And if if there was a, a nice way to say something like millennials or Gen Z or something else, to talk about a market segment, but in reality, it could be simplified as something like people that give a damn. And what I really mean by that is people or business leaders that are using business as a force for good. Businesses that have chosen to adopt a stakeholder model rather than a shareholder model and that are looking to the future in terms of you know how they, their brand presents itself to the public. So that's that's really the focus for us is is on those businesses that have a higher sense of purpose and that are looking to create positive impact in the world. Okay. Say a little bit more about that for listeners who maybe aren't super clear on the difference between stakeholders versus shareholders. Like, What's the difference exactly? Uh, absolutely. I'm happy to cover that. And, and I'll do it in a way that will at first sound like it's going to take a long time, but it won't. Uh, okay. Because... You have to really jump backwards to 1970 to really understand the genesis of all this. And what happened in 1970 that's important for this conversation is that an economist named Milton Friedman uh, wrote a very seminal article for the New York Times magazine where he uh, wrote that the sole purpose for business was to maximize its profit. And why that's important is because not just did it appear in uh, the magazine, uh, the New York Times magazine, it also had a very profound impact on business leaders. And so that was really the justification for a lot of the things that we've seen up to today, where there's been a lot of dysfunction in business and uh, a lot of demand from shareholders that businesses seek only to maximize their profit. And so an alternative model to that to, to shareholder uh, primacy is one in which businesses take into account its stakeholders. And even though the words are very close, stakeholders and shareholders, stakeholders are a very different thing in that they are your employees, your customers, your community, the environment. As a stakeholder-driven business, you are obligated to take into account all of those different um, 
audiences and make sure that you are carrying out practices and making decisions that are in their best interest. So, and one of the things too, like jumping forward to the current day that we're starting to see is, you know, the, the ideas that Milton Friedman espoused earlier on are really being replaced by a very different sort of mindset in business. So in 2007, B-Lab, which is the nonprofit that came out with B Corp certification, which is that certification that verifies that a business is stakeholder driven. That happened in 2007. So 37 years after Milton Friedman Jump forward even to today, and we're looking at things happening like ExxonMobil's board having two members replaced by environmental activists. And the organization that was responsible for that was BlackRock, which is the largest asset management firm in the world with $9.5 trillion of assets under management. And they were responsible for making that happen by helping an activist investor firm take over those board seats. So if you think about an organization as traditional and sort of hidebound as BlackRock doing things like getting board members replaced on ExxonMobil's boards with environmental activists, or NASDAQ recently coming out with the requirement that businesses now must dis- disclose the diversity of their boards, and if they don't have at least two members on their boards that represent diverse groups, that they have to explain why and make that information public as part of their listing on the NASDAQ exchange. So bringing up these examples just to show how far we've come from that idea of business needing only to maximize its profits to business engaged in areas where you wouldn't traditionally have thought, like, this is the responsibility of business to be in these realms. Okay, very interesting. And so let's talk about how the impact that that has on marketing. Mm -hmm. So let's talk first about your guys' business and and your marketing strategies. So starting with the challenges, what would you say is your main challenge or hurdle in getting in, in cutting through the noise to talk to the people that you need to be talking to? Yeah, I think there's there's like anything marketing related, there's there's always challenges. Any any job related, there's challenges. But I think in this area, like when we're trying to connect with purpose driven leaders in business, where we see challenges are in probably three main areas. So the first area where I think we really struggle to, to break through is an, is an area around credibility. So it's not just our credibility necessarily, but just the idea that, you know, your audience may share your concerns and have some similar interests that you have, but they don't understand necessarily why you are the right person to help them fix that problem. So you really need to find a way to demonstrate your credibility as a first step. And then the next thing is, is trust, right? So the kind of a close cousin to credibility is trust. And I think justifiably so, a lot of businesses and business leaders are skeptical of marketers. Marketers have been, and probably uh, rightfully so, painted with the same brush that lawyers have been painted with in that we're service providers that sell our service to businesses that are willing to pay us. And a lot of marketers have made the decision to represent products and services services without with not so great reputation. So if you're trying to tap into a, a, a community of purpose-driven leaders, they want to make sure that you're not just you know the latest marketer trying to make the latest dollar from them. So to build that sense of trust is really important too. And then I think Another thing, too, that's just endemic to marketing, not necessarily uh, trying to tap into purpose-driven audiences, is also attention spans. 
attention spans are a real problem. And as marketers, we're much more in love with our messages than our than our audiences are. So we sometimes delude ourselves thinking that this is something that's really important to them, when in reality, it's really important to us as marketers. But you really need to step back and take time and have humility in order to develop that relationship with your audience. That's really important. Okay. So those are three really important things that you've outlined there. Let's focus in on, on one of them to start with, trust, as you mentioned. So yeah, and, and I think that would go for even if you're not uh, a B Corp, right? Even if you're not trying to connect necessarily with leaders who, who, who of, of the sort that you're talking about, you still need to establish trust. That's going to that's gonna be crucial in any kind of B2B interaction. So, but especially so in the cases that you're describing. Yes. So, so how do you do that? What are your strategies for earning, gaining trust? That's a great question. So one of, one of the areas that we look to do to build trust with our audiences is to join them in some respect. So we try and blur the line between ourselves and our audience such that we're a part of their community. I mean, if, if you want to really connect with your audience, you kind of have to be a member in some respects. So kind of a crude example of that might be if you were marketing to fly fishermen, you can't really just get on the Internet and read about fly fishermen. You, you need to spend some time on the weekends in the street casting the fly rod and trying to catch fish and then speaking to fly fishermen in the same way that, you know, as as a as a business leader myself, I need to connect with and join up with other leaders who are looking to use business as a force for good. So I need to be a member of their community. I think that's really critical. And an- another thing that really goes towards building trust, too, is finding ways to empower that audience. And this is it's not as simple as just giving stuff away for free. Right. Because there's a that only is important if there's value behind it. So yeah. you can still deliver value to your clients without expecting something in return. So that empowerment comes from doing things like building tools for them that they may be able to use themselves to, to further their own goals. So we, we've done things like created marketing assets that we may use for our own company, but then we distribute them for free to other companies that we think can benefit by using those same assets or by creating outreach plans too. So it's it can also be the case that you create things or do things without an expectation for return, right? So we'll, we've created marketing programs where we elevate nonprofits so that they are getting visibility that they wouldn't otherwise get. And, and the point isn't that we're expecting them to like hire us at some later date. It's more so that we find it important to elevate what they're doing and to, for their work to get visibility. But there's no expectation that that's going to show up in return. So I think if you want to boil it down, it's really more about actions than words, you know, because you can you can say a lot, but that only goes so far. You really need to be taking actions that your audience finds credible and, and has value for them, too. Yeah, that's well said. To go back to the first thing you said about being part of being a part of the community, right, of, mm-hmm. of the people you're trying to engage. Give me an example of that. What does that look like in practice? Yeah. So for us, an example of that might look like, you know, when we're, I'm talking about things like our audience being purpose driven leaders, if there's a, a march to support climate action that we are actively promoting that march. And then like going back to the point of actions over words, 
we show up at the march and we're taking part of it part of part in that march as as a as a community and as part of our business itself so it's it's not just that we say that's a great thing you guys go do that that we actually roll up our sleeves and become a part of the action ourselves so i think i think that's that's really a critical aspect too that it's you're joining with that audience to do to accomplish these things okay that's a good example and of course there are plenty of other types of examples that are like in the digital realm right you can join groups and participate in online conversations and so on but i think it's interesting that you mentioned something like a march where that only happens if you physically show up and you're around other human beings do you see a special value in more sort of face-to-face interactions actually being physically in the same place? And I think this is a question that has a heightened resonance given the pandemic and that we've all been separated from each other. What are your thoughts on that, kind of the virtual versus the actual real face-to-face? <laughs> wow, that's it, an even more interesting question now because of uh, COVID for sure. Pre-COVID, I would have said there is an absolute difference and that's, you could almost like create a hierarchy, meaning like face-to-face would be the absolute best way to connect with people. And then you kind of work your way backwards from that to like lower effort, lower value connections, like sending someone a text message or something like that. Yeah. Post-COVID, I think the world has changed a lot in that people are willing to engage virtually a lot more than they would have, partly because they know there's no choice. Yeah. So they, they would count an interaction like this where it's being done uh, over video as legit. And it's not that you just didn't want to make time to meet with yeah. someone. It's, it's that, oh, it's credible. This person actually can't physically meet with me because of restrictions, you know, because of health concerns. So I think some of those in-person interactions are being replaced with virtual and, and still have that same level of credibility, credibility, credibility and value, which is great because, you know, again being a chair of Be Local Illinois, it's geo-specific, it's cent- central to Illinois, but we have now had the opportunity to reach a much wider audience of people, including creating programming that used to be in-person that would show up to people that would come in Illinois, and now we've had events where we have people from the, around the world coming to our events to learn about different marketing techniques that we're doing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really a different world than it used to be. Yeah, it is. It is really a different world. I think a world in which we've learned, we've been forced to learn a lot about different ways of connecting and the value of different ways of connecting, right? And I think you're totally right when, when you have no other choice but to meet virtually, then we turn to, okay, well, how can we make the best of that experience? Yes. And it rises to the level, whereas before it might have been like, this isn't so great, you know, (laughs) in person's the only way to go. At the same time, I think it still probably remains true that there really is no replacing person-to-person connection being in the same space. It's just a different, it's a whole different experience. Yes. But it's, it's a good thing. I think we'd probably all agree that when you can't do that, that we have very good tools to be able to talk to each other anyway and at least see each other, be able to see somebody's face, read a little bit of the facial expression, stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, we've covered a lot of ground. Let's wrap things up a little bit. What's something that you've learned either maybe over the past couple of crazy years or throughout your career in marketing that you can share with our listeners to help them better engage their audiences? 
Yeah, that's something I'd like to share that I think comes a little bit from the world of agile methodologies. So that's the kind of thing that shows up a lot of times in uh, design or develop is really the idea of failing fast and failing often. I really I couldn't feel more strongly about experimenting with marketing in terms of trying audience engagement tactics in different ways. And then scaling those that really work and that you are seeing value and engagement from and and discarding the other ones and feeling good about it, that you have a lot of little failures that you can kind of sweep aside and say, you know what, it took me these 10 little failures to get to this one big success. Everyone should feel really good about that. And and we try and do that a lot here at Sea Change and as part of Be Local Illinois to to maximize our connections with our audiences is, is try those experiments. Yeah, great advice. Sort of like if you're if you don't have a bunch of failures in your wake, then you're not really doing it right. Exactly. Yes. You know, like I think to, how many light bulb variations did Thomas Edison go through until he found the right one, right? The right yeah. filament, the right everything. Probably thousands. Yeah. Yeah. You know? we, we, we've we've failed often, and I've failed often personally, and I I've learned so much from it. So I, let's all get out there and fail. It's true. There's nothing like screwing up to, to it's really is the best way to learn. Yeah. There, there's almost no other way. Well, great insight. Adrian, thank you so much for, for everything, for all your insights and for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate being on the podcast. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.